Because of the following special program, WKRP in Cincinnati and Lou Grant will not be presented this evening. Both comedies will return next Sunday at the regular times on most of these stations. Tonight's special presentation is brought to you in part by Hardee's. We're out to win you over. And by Clorox, the makers of Tilex Tile Cleaner. Prepare yourself for an in-depth examination of something mundane from Icy Robot's day-to-day -day existence. Welcome to This Boring Life. Hey kids, it's me, this is Icy Robots, and I'm here for another exciting episode of This Boring Life, episode number three, as it were. During the course of This Boring Life, we take a look at my origin story, one topic at a time, and this time the topic is something near and dear to my heart. Well, obviously, something near and dear to my heart. It is the sport of bowling, the sport of men, the sport of champions, the uh, ten pinned, the uh, the balls and the bags and all that stuff. This is this is something I've wanted to talk about for a while. I have been involved with bowling in many areas for many a year i you know i've been hanging and clanging over at bowling alleys just been doing bowling related activities for as long as i can recall let's let's just start at the beginning uh bowling has played a big part in my family's history there has been more than one professional bowler in my family and originally we hail from chicago and the chicago area and that area is just, bowling is the thing to do, man. It snows, it's cold and all that. So people bowl. My parents bowled. My grandparents bowled. All my uncles did it. It's just, it's what you do, you know. If you live in, you know, these chilly areas where things get to uh, tundra-ish to go outside for a walk, you know, you got to find things to do. And bowling is one of these things that you do. And my family did it. My my grandmother on my mother's side was a professional bowler. She was of the quality where where she played on TV from time to time. She was never a champion, but she was on, you know, she was on the circuit. She was out there. She was for real. She was a pro. And my uh, cousin, my cousin Red, is currently a semi-pro bowler. He competes in a bunch of tournaments around the country. He he lives in a motorhome, like as far as I can tell, like an RV, and he goes around and he does various bowling contests, you know, here and there, and they're the only only two that have, like, competed at the pro level, but everybody has at least competed at the amateur level to some degree, and there there's this story that I've heard a million times before, and it goes like this. When my parents first got together for whatever reason... My grandmother, she didn't approve of my dad very much. This is just, you know, a tale as old as time. She had to be one over. And, she, you know, I don't think she was mean about it because she invited him out to, uh, you know, to bowling. They were like, hey, let's go. You know, we'll go to the lanes and we'll talk and we'll get to know each other. And you got to think, like, part of this, at least, she was thinking, I'm going to take this young punk and I'm going to show him, you know, what I can do. I'm going to intimidate him with what I'm best at, but my dad was a pretty good bowler himself, you know, I think, I think a lot of these Chicago guys carry like 200 averages, I think it's just the way it is over there, but my dad was pretty good, and, you know, he held his own against her, and that, you know, that allowed her to see him as somebody who, who was an actual person, dude had skills on the lane, so he must be, must be an all right, all right guy, and, you know, the rest is history. Here I exist. Uh, when I was when I was growing up here in California, after we moved, the area that I live in is known as uh, Rincon Valley. It's in a, in a town called Santa Rosa, and Rincon Valley is out toward the outskirts of town, pretty pretty near to where I live. Easily within walking distance, within you know 10, 20 minutes walking distance is city limits on on one side. So we're we're way out here, and at the time, there wasn't as many uh, residential people as there are now. There there was, you know, a, a lot, but there were many, many, many vacant lots, many open fields that are now filled with stuff. So 
there wasn't like a ton of things to do. And one of the things that there was to do was a bowling alley known as Holiday Bowl. It was over on over on Highway 12. It was like a 30-minute bike ride, 20 minutes maybe. I don't know. Some it was it wasn't a long bike ride at all to get there. So we would go there a lot and they had uh you know, an arcade and they had a cocktail lounge which we would always walk by and kind of like try to sneak peeks in there and see who was in there. They had pinball and they had pool tables and bowling and a snack bar. I mean, as far as hanging out, this was all you would ever need for a hangout. They had everything in there, you know, video games, pinball, just all sorts of fun activities. And we would go there just all the time, like seemingly five days a week. We would go to Holiday Bowl and hang out. It was this was back in the day, too, when people could smoke inside. So there was always, like, hooligans playing Miss Pac-Man, uh, you know, while smoking. And people playing pinball and smoking and bowling and smoking. And people were walking around with cocktails. It was not seedy, but it was real in that way that bowling is. When, when I say real, I mean sincere. There's, like, a sincerity to bowling, but... That's neither, you know, that's neither uh, here nor there. Uh, so it was just, you know, it was a really great place to hang out. And we would hang out there constantly. The arcade was, that was the place where I think I played most of my childhood video games, honestly. There was, there was the Aladdin's Castle in the mall, but this place was closer. So I would go there more often. They didn't. They didn't rotate the games very much. They had, like, the same ones. It was just the classics, you know. Miss Pac-Man and Galaga. You know, things like that. The game that we that we actually played the most was a pinball game known as Pinbot. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It's kind of a pinball robot, and it talks to you. It's, you know, it's a normal pinball game with this robot theme, and... It has a, it has a multi-ball. It was the first pinball I ever saw with a multi-ball. And we were just, we were into it. My friend that I used to hang out with there, he convinced me that, and there is some truth to this, that video games have a pattern of sorts. And all you're doing is memorizing a pattern. It's not, there's not that sincerity that we just talked about there. But if you take something like pinball with the random ways the ball can react and the fact that you're moving an actual ball not a you know a image of a ball a computer generated ball you're playing a real thing that pinball is more deserved of your money in that sense because you're getting a uh, real activity this kid, this kid was deep he was a deep kid at the time but you know he convinced me to get into pinball and We'd scrounge up our quarters and go over there and we would pinbot it all the time. It was, that was the thing to do for a while. I swear to you, pinbot. And one of the things we, we enjoyed about the pinbot was after your game was over, they would pick a random number. And if the number matched, you know, the uh, last two digits of your score, for example, let's say it comes up eight and your score ends, you know, in 86 or whatever. You got the eight, you're in the 80s. You get a free game. So we were into that too. That free game feature kept us playing. We'd be like, well, we could play, you know, and maybe we'll get a free game. So it might be worth the last two quarters. That was that was our jam for a while. Pinbot. I hadn't thought about Pinbot for just like forever. And then, you know, when I was doing the very minimal research that I do for this, I went online and I played some Pinbot videos with the the music and such, and man, that brought back some memories. I can remember being inside of there when I hear when I hear the uh, the Pinbot beats, man, just great stuff. The bowling alley was such a home for us for such a long time, but as weird as it was, I don't think I ever bowled more than like once or twice over there. When it came down to it, you know, a uh, a set of frames and bowling was like $2.50, $3, something in that neighborhood. And when you compared that to the price of the 25 cents to play Pinbot or to play 
Donkey Kong or whatever. It really, uh, it didn't add up, but I do wish we would have done it a few times more than we had, just so, just so, like, maybe the memory would be better burned into my head, because as much as, like, I can feel Holiday Bowl, I can, like, I feel it in my heart, I remember what it was like to be there, but I, I can't visualize it all that well. I know that it was, they had wood paneling, and... When you came into the door, the first left was the, uh, you know, the cocktail lounge and that there was also another door on the side that you could, um, you could get directly, you know, into the bar from there. And I recall that the outside walls were that, that thing that was popular for a while. And I don't know the name of the process where the walls are, you know, the, the exterior walls are like concrete and stones are pressed into the concrete like small round stones you know like in a in a decoratory way it, it was like that and like i said there was wood paneling and then once you got past the the bar you would go you know to the counter where you could you know uh pay for your games and such and then once you went past there was the arcade area and then the snack bar it was like one long wall with a bunch of smaller, you know, rooms in it. And then, you know, on the opposite side was the lanes. I don't remember how many uh, lanes there were at Holiday Bowl. In my my gut, kind of, you know, in what I can visualize, I'm going to think it was like in the 20, 10, 15, 20 range. It wasn't, you know, a mammoth bowling alley. And I also, you know, judge it by where, you know, the location is in Rican Valley and... Let me, uh, let me get to the bad part of the story, the sad part. Um, Holiday Bowl is no longer with us. In, in that location is presently a Walgreens. Uh, yeah, that's, it is the Walgreens that I go to to, you know, look for mini mates and stuff. But, so, here's how this one goes. As we got, you know, up in years, our circle got bigger and we stopped going to, you know, the bowling alley, like, every day. We'd still go from time to time, but not as much. And then I'm working at QZAR. So, you know, I'm hanging out there, and that's fun. And then one day we had one of our QZAR uh, teammates was hanging out in uh, Rincon Valley with me and another buddy of mine. And he's like, so what do you guys do, man? What's, you know, what's, what's fun around here or whatever? And I said, oh, we got a bowling alley, dude. Let's go check it out. So we went over... And I went up and, you know, I pulled on the door handle and, and it, it was locked. And I looked up and there was a sign that said, you know, closed for business. And I I should have suspected something was up when I uh, looked around and I saw that the parking lot was empty. The building was in the, you know, the center of the parking lot and, you know, the lot. You could see there was nobody there and there were always people at the bowling alley it was so it was so strange and you know so you you know you're a kid and whatever so you kind of no sell it like oh that's weird so we got out of there but inside I was I was really heartbroken about this I have no idea the details the legend is that you know financially they they had to shut down and you know as the legend has it um the owner committed suicide inside the building and I don't know if that's true. I've I've I checked online. I've tried to find information on this and I couldn't. So that might just be the urban legend of the place, but it was really interesting how when you know we went around the building to see just just to see what was up and all the windows were boarded up and I know I hadn't been there in a while, but it hadn't been that long of a while to where it would suddenly be, you know, boarded up windows. It was like the, like those buildings you see in movies where they put newspaper on the windows and stuff so you can't see anything. It hadn't been that long. It was very strange. And I can, I can still feel that one. I can still feel that one in my gut. What makes it hard is I have no photos of Inside Holiday Bowl. It's not like it is now with, with cell phones, with cameras and all this stuff. I didn't have a camera, so I don't have any pictures, and I check online, and I can find pictures of the place from way back in the 50s, 
but nothing from, you know, the 80s and 90s when I was kicking it there. So that, that's, you know, that's a bummer. I would, I would enjoy the opportunity to see the good old holiday bowl right now. I, I think about it every time I go by and I see the Walgreens. There's a Walgreens and a, uh, Italian restaurant there. It was right next to a creek. When you would go out to, um, you know, the outskirts of the parking lot, there was a creek. And down in that creek was where, you know, the real thugs would hang out. You know, you'd have some thugs inside the bowling alley smoking cigarettes, but, like, the real crazy thugs were outside, you know, over by over by the creek. That's the kind of place where there would be, you know, punky teenagers, but also, like, the scary dudes who were in their uh, early 20s. I don't know if you remember that. Remember, like, when you'd be a teenager and there would always be, you know, these random 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds hanging out with, uh, you know, weirdos over at the school. And these guys seem to be the scariest. I don't... I don't know what it was. It was only a couple years, but that's where the real psychos hung out, over by the creek. So now there's a Walgreens, an Italian restaurant, and also like a housing development, like condos or apartments that stretch, they stretch on forever over there. And I remember when, you know, the bowling alley was in the heyday, you had the bowling alley parking lot, and then a gigantic open field for as far as the eye can see. But uh, I guess progress. Um, let's, uh, let's check out a bowling commercial and then we will be back in a sec for more, uh, more 10 pin talk. So, after the closure of Holiday Bowl, I was kind of out of the game for a while, just working at QSR, just doing whatever. I don't know, whatever kids, dudes that age do. Probably nothing important because it's all, all a blur. But then... Then one day, the old uh, wife, who was at this time the uh, girlfriend, had a work thing where they all went bowling. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I don't normally go to the work things. I'm that husband. I don't... I'm not social that way. I don't... I don't get energy from hanging out and chit-chatting with with people. It's, It's just not me. I wish it was... It's not, I'm, you know, I'm more of a, of a, of a loner. I'm a lone wolf. You know, I'm, I'm the lone wolf. But she had this bowling thing at, uh, this was at the other bowling alley in town, way over across town. This one is called Continental Lanes. And the wife told me that before it was called that, it was called the Rose Bowl. Like people, people on that side of town, they lament how the Rose Bowl was converted into Continental Lanes. But at any rate, uh, they had this bowling thing at Continental Lanes, and I went along, and I just had a fantastic time. I thought bowling was so fun. I I don't know why I wasn't with it before. It was like it was, like it was in my chromosomes, man. It was in my genes. And they had another bowling thing, and I went along and had a good time. And I met this girl that she worked with uh, named Amanda and her and I got along and they did another bowling thing and I went and by this point I I was starting to get hooked and to a degree I could see she was starting to get hooked and they they didn't have any other bowling parties past that point but her and I decided hey you know we should we should continue bowling. So we decided to start meeting up every Wednesday. We discovered that Wednesdays at Continental Lanes for like a four hour period, every game was a dollar. So we decided we decided to go to the dollar bowling every Wednesday and we'd meet up there and it sounds weird. It does sound weird when I say it back that I'm hanging out with 
some some uh, girl. She was a girl. I think she was like 18. I was like 20 something. So it does seem weird that I was hanging out with this girl my wife worked with, but we shared this common interest in bowling. And that's really all it was. It sounds sounds crazy today, but that's just what it was. And we would meet up there and, you know, do this. And this went on for quite a while, like like almost a year. And during this period, I I started to get into it heavy. I bought a ball. I went to Kmart. I remember I went to Kmart to get my first ball. It's red. I still have it. And they um they will drill the holes for you there. And I recall like getting the guy who was going to do the hole measurements. He just kind of had me touch my fingers to the ball and he circled where they were and he went in the back and he just drilled it out. Now, as I understand it, there's a lot more to like, you know, finger drilling than just, you know, getting an electric drill and drilling a hole in it. And, but at any rate, I wasn't, you know, that top flight of a bowler yet to where that kind of stuff matters. This was just a very beginner ball with a very beginner bag. And, but I was into it. I was having a good time. I was trying, I was trying to improve. I actually, I read a book about bowling, the Mark Roth Guide to Bowling from the library. I went and I got it and I read it. Mark Roth was this short, stout, super powerhouse bowler. This guy could... He could throw with incredible speed and ferocity. And at one point, this is just off the top of my head. So if I'm wrong, I apologize. He threw something like seven perfect games in a row in a PBA competition. So I read this guy's book and I actually like took some of the things from the book and incorporated them into my bowling game. And I, you know, I started to improve, which was, which is great because I've never... I'm not a terrible athlete by any means. I'm, you know, I'm all right. I can, I can play, you know, I can hit in the batting cages. I can shoot baskets. I can do stuff, but I'm by no means a even upper mid flight jock. I just, I'm just me, but I was starting to get decent at bowling to a degree. And this, you know, it felt good. And after a while, the Wednesday bowling club kind of fell apart. I don't remember what it was. I really don't. I'm trying to think what it was. We got into an argument about something and we actually ended up not speaking any longer, which is weird. I don't speak to her presently. Uh, I don't even think we're Facebook friends, which is weird because for a while we were spending like a pretty, pretty fair amount of time together with the bowling. And then there was even a period where we added another bowling day. We were both trying to get good at it. She got a ball too. She got a ball. She got shoes. At one point, she was carrying two balls. You might see guys at the bowling alley with two balls, and you wonder, like, what's the deal with that? It's the it's the surface of the ball. Different surfaces react differently. You know, some are made to hook a bit more. Some go straight. And usually what it is is a guy will have the strike ball, the heavier opening ball that might, you know, have a nice hook on it for the strike. And then you have the second ball that you use, excuse me, you use to pick up spares. That's kind of the deal. But she had, you know, the two ball thing going and, eh, what do you know, what are you going to do there? There are people in your life you spend a lot of time with and then there are periods where you don't see them at all. I don't know. It is what it is, I guess, in the long run of things. Oh, uh, uh, I, I remember, I remember what it was that was the end of the relationship. Check it out. This is some 20 year old stuff. So she started dating this guy that I knew and he started weirding out about how we would do this bowling stuff. And he, he started giving her grief about it or that's how she put it to me anyway. And if you listen closely there, you can, you can hear the cat crying a bit. I'm recording this down in, uh, down in the computer room in the office, the home studio, and I have the door open, the cat's meowing. Cats are such a pain. Anyway, so I wanted to continue bowling. So I kept, you know, I kept trying to get people to go with me. And I couldn't really, I couldn't really like hook anybody in. And eventually I started, uh, I started going with my brother. And that was fun. But he and I didn't go on the Wednesdays. We went to this, 
other thing they started on the weekends they started this thing called quarter rock and bowl and you could go down there and for five dollars per person you got to bowl from something like seven to one in the morning you know as long as you could bowl and the quarter deal why they called it a quarter was beers were a quarter mixed drinks were 50 cents and we we started going to that it was it was like one of those rock and bowl deals where they would uh you know play techno music and they would turn the lights down so that everything was like day glow and weird and all tripped out and that's fine it's not it's not my favorite thing but you know got got my bowling fix and we would go and get our lane drink a couple beers have a nice time but after a while we actually got joined by by a couple other dudes of his and then a couple more dudes and a couple more dudes and we had you know like a full on every every sunday night bowling thing this was you know a lot of fun we did this for for quite a while i remember just rocking that rock and bowl non-stop man the the big jam that they would play a lot was uh that song by by jesus what's that guy's name nelly remember that rapper nelly they would play that tune that hit that he had like every every third or fourth song for real it's it's like i can i can hear it now that was that was the sunday quarter bowl anthem man they would they would play that non-stop we had so much fun at quarter bowl what made it cool was the lane was yours you know you you could bowl for a while and then people would go outside and smoke then you could come back inside and bowl some more you know you go to the to the lounge get a quarter beer the beers came in the smallest uh, plastic cups I've ever seen. They weren't quite Dixie cups. They were maybe like three Dixie cups. You know, it was like a, a quadruple shot of beer, by no means a glass. So you would you would buy a ton of these and take them back with you, like a tray of ten, you know, and bring them back to your group. But it was it was all fun. They had um a side door where all the cool bowling guys would hang out and. After, you know, quarter bowling for a long time, we, we got to hang out at the side door. What was cool about it was you could hang out there and have it open. But if, you know, the management saw you have it open, they would come over and be like, hey, no, uh, no smoking in the doorway. Now, I don't smoke, but I know a lot of dudes, a lot of dudes did at the time. Bowling people tend, they, they smoke, man. It's, I don't know, it's just the way it is. But over by that side door, people would be like half in half out of the door you know smoking the whole time and it was it was always fun it felt like like you were getting away with something which i get i guess you were but eventually you know it got to the point where quarter bowl just it just couldn't contain our our uh our quest for bowling so so we had to take it to the next level and there is only one thing above quarter bowl and that is league bowling and well i'll tell you all about my bowling team and i'll tell you all about my league experiences right after quick commercial this buzz for everybody who sets them up just so they can knock them down they're league bowlers and they know that when you join a league you get rolling the competition the excitement with good times to spare Find it all in the leagues at your local bowling center. And league bowlers can compete in the Budweiser Hall of Fame tournament coming this winter. Join the action, join a league, and get rolling. For all you do, this Bud's for you. Once you once you get into the league, this is when things get real. They get They get realer than real. And that's not to say that it's not just all for good fun because... It is. It's all for fun. It's all it's all just for a good time, but there's some pretty hardcore stat tracking and once you get once you get into keeping score, it gets real. So, we decided to we decided to join a bowling league. We were we were into it and there there was one major motivating factor behind getting into the league. Every every member was entitled to dollar bowling all the time. So we were there so much that it was just, we might as well just take the final plunge and go for the dollar bowling. So we did. Me, 
My bro and two longtime friends of his who were also Sunday regulars all formed a team. These two dudes are one guy who goes by the name of Joel. He is he's a big, big, strong, strapping, red-headed guy. He's wild. He's crazy. He's a great dude. I love him a lot. He's the best. The other guy is this fellow who goes by the name of uh, Alec Lex Ice. That was his bowling name. This guy, this guy and my brother have gone way back. Him and Joel have gone way back. They used to play on a basketball team together. They've known each other for days, and it was it was a good fit. It was a nice fit. We all became a nice crew. We called ourselves the Cash Money Millionaires. That was our name. That was our game. And we had a lot of fun our first season. I can I can remember the day that we decided to do it, and I can remember the day that that we were on our way to the uh, to the first match. My brother was driving; I was with him, and we also picked up Lex on the way. And we were all excited, but we were all a bit nervous because we didn't know what to expect. We were, you know, we were okay amateur bowlers. You know, we were all right for a Sunday quarter bowl, but stepping into the stepping into the big leagues of being in the the Wednesday night uh, league was, it was kind of a big deal, and we were all nervous, and I remember sitting in the car, and we're all, we're all silent, and then, what, Rage Against the Machine came on the radio, and my brother jacked it up, and we started, we started getting pumped for our first game in the Wednesday night league, I can, oh, man, that was a good time. That that feeling of not knowing what's gonna happen. We'd never we'd never done this before and we didn't know how we could compete. We didn't know how good we were. And just the excitement of going and not knowing was such a great feeling. And then when we got there, we found out that our first opponents was a team known as the KJ Winers, aka the uh Kendall Jackson Winery. There was a lot of winery based teams in, in this league. You know, I live in the middle of the uh, wine country, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of grapes, a lot of picking, a lot of pickers, lots of that kind of stuff. So our very first game was against the uh, KJ Winers, and before I get too too far into it, I have to explain how a uh, league works. The whole thing is handicapped, so the team that has the higher average has to give some pins up to the inferior team, and to be frank, our first season in, none of us was that great. So we were playing with a great handicap, but it's cool. It's fair. It makes everybody on a on an even scale. And then eventually when we did get better, there were times, you know, we uh were the ones that were favored. So it all it all equals out in the end, and it's all for good fun. So we had this handicap against the KJ Winers, and these guys were good bowlers, but we were with our handicap, we were we were hanging pretty tight to where they are. And what you do is you play three games. And, you know, the, the one that gets the two wins is the winner. And we won one, they won one, and we were going into the final game. And it was, it was pretty tight. I can remember this so distinctly. It was, it was pretty tight. The way the order went was we had Joel... He bowled first. He was he was a powerhouse. He was very similar to a to a young Bobby Bonds in that he would often often gutter ball, but he would often get a strike. There wasn't a lot in between. So what we would do is we would lead off with him, and he would come out and either boom strike, get us going, or boom gutter ball, and we would just move on to the next guy who was who was my brother, and my brother had this interesting concept of bowling in he decided that he would be more effective as a bowler if he used a smaller ball. My brother, he's kind of a slight guy, but he has a great pitching arm. He's always been able to throw fast, and he's like, you know, I'm just going to go with the speed ball, and I'm going to use as light a ball as I can find, and I'm going to throw it as hard as I can. Conventional bowling wisdom goes that you want to use a you want to use a heavier ball so that you have more punching power to punch through the pins, but he thought the opposite and more power to him, so he got this green day glow ball that he named the captain, and he he stuck with the captain for years, so I don't know, man, it must have worked for him. I can remember the day that we were bowling, and he, you know, he threw the captain, and he, 
he disintegrated when he hit the pins. You know, he flew into pieces. It was, it was really weird. I've never seen the ball return split up, spit up fragments. You know, there was one big frag and then some smaller pieces, you know, shrapnel and that all came out. I felt so bad. He still has the captain. More power to him. I salute him. So we went Joel, my bro, and then me. I bowled uh, third because I'm not the best, but I'm not the worst. So I was in that third position and we were... We were tied up, right? Or no, we weren't tied. I don't know why I said that. It, it was it was tight. It was a tight game. And I, I saw going into the last frame, if I strike out, meaning if I get a strike in the 10th, if you get a strike in the 10th, you get two more turns. And if I get a strike in the 10th and then two more strikes, we will win and I will be the hero and that will be great. So I came out, I got a strike and I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the star. Next shot, uh... I guttered, and I'm like, I will not be the star. I guess I blew it. And then the next time out was my final shot. No, you actually don't get a final shot. So, as it was, we went in, but it was still tight. I'm like, if my boy Lex, if Lex Ice can strike out, if he can get the three strikes like I couldn't, we can win this game. And then I'm sitting there, I'm watching, homie gets a strike, one strike. He had this. This bowling ball that was like a um, like an a- ABA basketball. It was like red, white, and blue. So he goes, boom, one strike. Then he comes out again for the next one. Boom, another strike. And I'm like, is dude going to do it? This is amazing. And he comes out third time. Boom, strike three, three strikes in a row. We won. We defeated the KJ Winers, the hated KJ Winers. It was an amazing, amazing moment in the history of sports. And, uh, you know, that really got us started off great. I mean, coming right out the jump, we won. We beat a team with a bunch of dudes who were, you know, really good bowlers. There were a few new teams like us in the league, and there are every year. But for the most part, it's holdovers from the uh, previous years. And bowling is the kind of thing that the more you do it, the better you get. And the experience really was racked up with some of these guys. And they were they were quite good and... We were just new jacks who were trying to hold our own and, uh, you know, get a win right there at the beginning was awesome for our egos, awesome for everything. And it really got the season, season jumped off right. We, as I recall, wound up in the top 10. There were like 20 plus teams and we wound up in the top 10, but that was cool enough for us. We were happy. We were happy with it all together. It was a lot of fun and a really good experience just to get out there and compete you know, you should do that. It's always good. It's good to go out there and put it on the line. You know, win or lose, take the money, lose the money. It's all, it's all fun. And you, you know, you become a better man just for, just for getting out there and facing some challenges. Because over the course of a year, there are going to be times when the game does come, does come down to you making a spare or, you know, striking out to win and just putting yourself out like that, yourself out there like that, rather. It's, you know, it's good for you, man. Makes you a better person. Let's uh, let's take another uh, bowling commercial break here, and then we will be back, and I'll talk about uh, some of the other seasons of uh, league bowling for me. It's a lot of fun. You're going to enjoy it. We'll be back in one Sizek. What's even more exciting than bowling? League bowling. That's all America. I love to hear that cheering. You'll hear it every week. Just join a Bowl America League. New leagues are forming now. So come to Bowl America. Where thousands cheer. I wonder if we will ever see the day again where there is a TV commercial for league bowling. I hope so. There is still bowling on TV. I see it from time to time. Actually, uh, a couple months back, I was watching, like, teen bowling, like the uh, high school championships on ESPN. Once you bowl a bit, bowling does become a bit more entertaining on TV. It's not fantastically entertaining, but it is, it's a bit fun. So, we began season two of The Cash Money Millionaires with a big change. My brother had to head off to greener pastures. He had to go off to school. And that left, that left the three of us. And try as we might, we could not find a fourth. We could not find another person who wanted to join the team. So with 
like a last ditch effort, we turn to one of the uh, league officials. This guy named Big Bob. Big Bob was, he was a big guy, hence his name. And he was like a big flat topped, you know, heyday in the uh, the 50s kind of guy. He was all right. He didn't seem as if he uh, liked the cash money team that much, but he was okay. So we went to him and asked him if maybe there were, you know, some like floaters, you know, some extra dudes looking for a team or whatever. And he had, he had somebody for us. He found a girl, a girl named uh, Mary Helen. Mary Helen wasn't a great bowler by any means, but she was all right and she fit in just fine. She was the family member of another team in our league, a team known as uh, Sykes Asphalt. We didn't, uh, we weren't, we weren't too keen on Sykes Asphalt. So it was kind of weird and interesting that the sister wound up on our team. But it was okay, man. We needed somebody and she needed somebody. So it all worked out good. It was all good in the hood. It worked out in the end. That year, we actually added some uh, cash money traditions. Over over the uh, brief off period, I went out and we had like a, a fair. And at the fair, they had, you know, somebody who could make custom rings for you. And I got a, uh, I got a silver ring that said CMM. And I went to the back of the source. Source magazine had all these sort of knockoff jewelry sellers on the inside back cover. All kinds of, you know, cubic zirconias, fake platinum, fake gold and stuff. And I got a, a necklace and a big medallion that said cash money that I would wear, you know, during games. The cash money medallion kind of a cash money heirloom. Let me look and see. Yeah, it's hanging right there on the wall of the office. I still got it this day and I can actually see the cash money ring from where I'm sitting right here. While the medallion was mine, you know, that was, that was my trophy as the captain of the team. I was the captain of the cash money millionaires, but don't, don't take that to mean anything that it's not. All it meant was I was the best at filling out paperwork. There is there's a lot of scorekeeping and a lot of paperwork involved with a league bowling team. And out of everybody, I was the best at paperwork, so I, I became the captain. So I had the cash money medallion, but the cash money ring would go to go to whoever had the best game. Not, not necessarily the highest score. The guy who had the best game got to keep the cash money ring for the week. And then the next week, you know, it would go to, go to the person who had the best game that week. Now... Best was all subjective. It was more than likely the guy who just came through in the clutch. You know, the one, the MVP. So anyway, we entered into season two and I had been practicing a lot. I'd been taking advantage of these dollar games and I I had a breakthrough. Let me, let me tell you about that really quick. I had a breakthrough one day. I had always been sort of a straight ball bowler. I couldn't really get the hang of the hook, but I was a great spare shooter. I'm still a great spare shooter and I could hold my own, but I needed to get a good strike ball. Strikes are where the points are at. You can, you always got to close your frames and if you shut all your frames, you'll have a nice score, but it's all about the strikes. That's where the points add up. And I, I, I was having, you know, trouble getting like a nice steady hook. You know, it would either hook past the pins or break too late. I was just, I was having trouble with it. And then one day, one of the, uh, one of the counter guys came down. He was an older guy. I'm thinking he was in his, you know, early 60s, somewhere in that range. And he, he saw that I was, I was having trouble. And he's like, look, just do it like this. He goes, insert your fingers up to, you know, maybe just like before the knuckle, right up to that point. And then as you come down, put it on the third dot from the, the left. You know how there are all those dots on the lane. You use those for targeting. And he's like, put it down on the third dot and right before you release it, twist your hand to where your thumb winds up at 10 o'clock. And once I got to doing that, I was dropping these nice hooks. They would just go straight all the way down and then right at the last second, it just veered just a bit right into the pocket where you want it. And once I started doing that, it all came together. So the second season we were in the league, I, I really was having a good year. Now, I'm not going to say that I am a fantastic bowler, 
but there were points when I was averaging, you know, like 170, 175, which is not bad at all, especially for like a second year competitor. And there was one game where I I got like six or seven strikes in a row and I wound up with like a score of 244. I, I received an award for that. I'm, I'm not trying to put myself over. I'm just saying that I had some good games. So the second year, you know, Lexite was always money. Joel was coming into his own as a bowler, and, you know, Mary Helen, she would beat her average. She had a pleasant personality. We didn't mind her at all. So we were doing, we were doing not so bad. That was, that was a good year. Things were really starting to fall in place for us. I remember at points we were as high as, we were as high as like a third. They had a whole wall dedicated to the, the league standings, and it was always cool to, like, when you first got there, it was fun to go over to the wall and see where, see where you were this week. Because based on, you know, the wins and losses of the previous games, things sometimes changed quite a bit. Like, you might be seventh, and then when you come in next time, you're second because all the teams on top of you lost. It was, it was always fun. And then, like, even beyond that, they had folders up on the uh, wall that you could take a look at. And they had the stats of every individual bowler. So you would you would get to see how you did every single game, how you were above average. The whole thing was always just beating your average. Bowling is it's about being better than you normally are. It's about beating your average and you could see how you could see how you did compared to your average and then you could see your new average, how many strikes you got. It was it was really cool. That was Mostly what you would be paying for. If I'm remembering correctly, it was $16 a week. I think it was like 10 to the bowling alley and then 6 to the bigger governing body. There was like this committee or organization on top of our re- our local league. There was like a regional league and all the stats would get reported to the regional league. And because of that, it made you eligible for awards and just different things. So stat keeping, stat keeping was, you know, a big deal. And it was always cool to see how you're doing in in the numbers. And we were doing pretty good that year. We were as high as three. And we, we also got a new, a new arch enemy. And these guys, these guys were worse than the KJ whiners. The KJ whiners weren't even anything more than just, you know, being dudes who bowled on the, uh, you know, against us. The, the, uh, these guys, these guys were known as Sykes Asphalt, and they have, you know, they have a business here in town. They, they're not bad guys by any means. I, I don't hate them. I have nothing against Sykes Asphalt, but they were kind of, that one year of bowling, they were really our adversaries. They, they had, you know, a son and a dad, and then another guy and another guy, and it, it was always interesting because, like I said earlier, we had uh, Mary Helen was on our team, and she was, you know, the daughter of the Sykes. She was like the Sykes extra player who wanted to go for Delph this year, go for solo and try it out on a, the cash money squad. But these guys, we, we, we had some matches against them. I'll, I'll tell you what. And it wasn't always friendly either. Sometimes it got a bit, uh, a bit contentious. The, the time it was in the league, most of the games, it was either friendly or you just didn't talk that much. For the most part, it was friendly with the other team because you're all just there to have fun. But this time around with the Sykes and whatnot, it got it got pretty contentious. One of the players on the team was he had this he had this like this I don't know how to put it. His personality was not not in tune with mine, and he did stuff that I myself would not do as a competitor that most people wouldn't do as a competitor during a friendly game. I'm talking like when you're going up to shoot, you know, you're in your backswing, he would cough (coughs) super loud. He would uh, throw out a cough or while you're running up there to shoot, he would, he would all of a sudden yell, hey, or clap his hands together or stuff like that, trying to trying to throw you off and that kind of gamesmanship is to me it's a bit low I think that I think in the opinion of most everybody it's a bit low there are just 
There are things you don't do. You don't mess with people during their backswing. This goes for golf. This goes for bowling. It's just not done. And this guy would do it. And that was just indicative of his overall personality. And we we just had trouble with them. There was a lot of, like, bickering and such. And it was weird. There was always fun though to bowl against the Sykes because the stakes were the stakes were high at least for us I I hate to say it but I, as I remember for the most part the Sykes came through on top of us just because they were more experienced bowlers the dad was super good and the son as much as I didn't like him he was he was alright too and whoever else they had they were all pros and we we were alright, and we would try, but we didn't always have the best games every time out. I'm not saying we were awesome. We we would blow it, and we would lose a lot, but when it was against the Sykes, man, it just, it seemed extra important. You know, it had that real rivalry feel. And, you know, that was all good. We, we had a, a nice time our second season in the league. It wasn't as fun to me as the first, because... You know, my bro wasn't there, and we, uh, we liked Mary Helen Mellon. That's what we called her, Mary Helen Mellon, and she was nice, and she was fine. And there were some other cool guys we got along with, and our bowling was improving. But it wasn't the same to me, at least, the first time around, but I did have a great time. Uh, another team we had a rivalry with was a crew known as the Bus Drivers. They were a bunch of dudes who worked... At the bowling alley, a bunch of like, you know, early 20s kind of teenager kind of dudes who work there. They called themselves the bus drivers, even though they worked at a bowling alley because they were taking it to school. Like they were driving a bus. But we had a bit of a friendly rivalry with them too. They had one guy on their team who could, he could throw a strike ball from like, he would stand all the way at the other end of the bowling alley. And he had this shot he could take where he would roll it across the carpet roll it across the uh, linoleum, up the lane, all the way down and get a strike. You could do this all the time. It was this super crazy trick shot. I can I can remember seeing that one now. That was wild. I haven't thought about that in the longest time, but dude would always... It would be weird. He would have to work the same time as the uh, league bowling, but when it was his turn, he would run out and shoot and then go back behind the counter. And every once in a while, he would, he would try to bust the shot from the... Uh, the far end of the alley where the counter was located all the way up to the end of the lane. I wonder whatever became of that dude. Probably nothing. I don't know. He was a bowling alley counter guy, but he was cool. There was another counter guy that was cool. There was a bunch of mechanics that were cool. We got to know everybody who worked there because we started hanging out there a lot. We would have our bowling night and then we would have, you know, the quarter bowl on Sundays, and then there would always be another day we would go and we would practice. That was really cool, man. There was other things to do at the bowling alley, too. They had a uh, locker room with a bunch of video games in it. Uh, as a uh, league member, you got a free locker, so we started uh, checking our bags and balls there, which was, that was cool. You didn't have to bring it back and forth with you. It was just there waiting for you, and... You know, that's that's a cool perk. The The video game I remember playing the most was... I don't know the exact name. It was a D&D Dungeons & Dragons game. And it was four players and there was like a cleric. Welcome to the D&D world. And an elf and a fighter and a dwarf. And you were on a super long, super extended mission. Now, according to the minimal amount of research I have done, I believe the game is Dungeons and Dragons Tower of Doom. It seems like it fits the bill. We had so much fun playing this game. We would sometimes get there early and, you know, just uh, play on it a bit. And there was one time when we decided, this is it. We're going to beat this game. We got to do it right now. And everybody, like, went and bought, you know, a couple dollars worth of quarters, you know, three or four bucks worth. And we really, you know, dug into the game and we sat there and made it all the way through. I say sat because the arcade was full of stools from the bar. Everybody would bring them over and you could sit while you played your game. And that's always, that's always fun, especially if it's going to be a long session. 
I, I enjoy this game a lot. They recently got not the exact same one, but one that is very similar in the series over at our local uh, fun arcade known as Scandia. And me and the old wife went over there and played a few bugs worth. It's a lot of fun. What's uh, not so fun about the one at Scandia is that it's only a two-joystick machine. It's not the uh, good old four-joystick one they had at Continental Lanes. It's uh, really a uh, lot of fun where you can get four fools up on the joysticks at the same time. It's reminiscent of the old uh, Gauntlet experience, but this game is superior to Gauntlet in a lot of ways in that you can improve your stats and improve your weapons and buy potions to heal yourself and all sorts of other cool stuff. And what I always hated about Gauntlet, and this is just going to be a quick diversion, what I always hated about Gauntlet is that the moment you started playing the game, you're dying, and that you had to keep getting food and potions and stuff just to stay alive. I don't get it. Is there some kind of, like, airborne contagion in the dungeon, and the second you go down there, you, uh, begin to meet your fate? I know not, but that was the second season. What they do at the end of the bowling season that's a lot of fun is they have this thing called, uh, Sweeper Weeks. And this is, you know, the final week after the standings have been, you know, locked in and everything's all finished. And what happens on Sweeper Weeks is that everybody goes for Delph. You bowl three games and the point is whoever gets the highest total above their average is the winner. And there are some serious stakes here. They take all the money that everybody pays in to play that week and it's all... In a big pot, and it's split between the uh, top winners. The the sweeper weeks that I competed in, the first one, I, I did nothing. But then the second sweeper week, I had a few good games, and I actually ended up in the money. As I recall, I came home with something 130 like... bucks, and that's that's pretty much enough to like cover your entire league season. So you can be like a sweeper week gaffler and. Make up all your loot at once. It's cool. We had considered that as a name for team, the Sweeper Week Gafflers. Making people think that we were going to swoop them on like a Sweeper Week and take all their loot. But, you know, we're too nice for that. We're the cash money millionaires. So, after after the second season, we came back for one more. And there isn't... This one just kind of came and went, to be honest with you. it was It was us all over again, but... You could, you could feel that the, to some degree, the magic was starting to wear off. It's not that we were sick of bowling. I think it's that we were somewhat, somewhat sick of the year-round commitment. Because you have, you know, a summer league and a winter league, and they take up, they take up most of the year. There are a few weeks in between, but I think that it wasn't enough, and everybody... Everybody wanted some time off, so we decided that we weren't going to continue the squad in the third season. And and even at the time, I felt like if we break up, we're never going to get back together. That's really going to be it. And sadly, it was it. I hung around the bowling alley for a while. I was into it still. I wanted to improve, and after the third season, it was seriously showing some signs of improvement, but... Without being a member of a team, the the commitment's not there. And I competed in a couple, like, individual events to, you know, no great stakes. I didn't do awesome. I do recall one event that they would hold every year that was fun. It was on or around Thanksgiving, and it was called the uh, Continental Lanes Turkey Shoot. And the deal was you paid, you know five or ten bucks to enter and if you could throw three strikes in a row known as a turkey you would win a free turkey and that was a lot of fun I was never I was never able to win a turkey I remember one year where they did this competition they they buy like a truckload of turkeys I think the idea is that everybody's gonna get one but this one year nobody was doing any good so they changed it so if you would knock down nine pins in a row or get like three spares in a row you could get a turkey and by the time we left they were just they were just passing out turkeys right and left i continental lanes was a fantastic time in my life and like 
And like all fantastic times, it has to end. I went over there to bowl one day, and one of the counter guys I was I was tight with, he took me aside and said, Hey man, we're going to be shutting down soon. And I said, what do you mean? You know, it's, it's early. He's like, no, we're, we're shutting down for good. There, there are some problems with the building that we just, we can't afford to fix. And the price of the repairs are just so big that it would be easier to, to build another, another building. And I guess, I guess I can see his point, but it was really sad to hear that another another bowling alley that I hung clung around at was was going to get shut down. So we went, you know, a few more times and it wasn't soon after that that they that they shuttered the doors for good. It was so sad and I'm still not over this one. The building stood for many years after that just completely abandoned and I had I had thought to myself that you should you should break in there. You should just pop open one of the back doors and go in there just to just to see what's in there and see if maybe you could get some kind of a some kind of a souvenir. And I I considered it a lot. I did. I'm not a crook. I'm not a thief. I'm not a breaker and enterer, but I do enjoy abandoned buildings and in the end, you know, I don't mean any harm, and I didn't think it would be the worst thing to do, but I never, I never did it. I think that when you're younger, you might consider this kind of activity, but when it gets around the time when you have a family and a wife, it's just too much to think about getting picked up on some kind of a misdemeanor B&E, and having to go to court, and having to pay a fee, and having to pay bail, and all this stuff, and it's just... It wasn't worth it, and I I somewhat regret that. If I could have gone inside, got some pictures, I don't know, just gotten anything from inside that place, it would have it would have been it would have been nice, but I never did. And in some ways, I'm glad I didn't because I found out many years after that the reason they they had to shut down was the whole place was full of asbestos, and they just couldn't pay to get it taken out and. I'm glad I didn't sneak around in there because it was in it was in disarray and I might have I don't know man I might have sucked in some fumes and died so that was another chapter of my bowling career shut and we tried we tried to pick it up over at the bowling alley in the next city over eventually the old wife she joined a league of her own over at the next bowling uh, alley over but I don't know it just that time had passed uh, Lex Ice. Had a, sold, a shoulder injury and Joel had, you know, whatever Joel had. And we just, we could never put the team back together the way that it was. And that's, that's a shame, but everything eventually is, everything eventually comes to an end. And even, even something you enjoy as much as bowling is going to go and... Every once in a while, I'll go over to Rotor Park and bowl, but I I find I don't have the abilities that I used to have. The The weight of the 16-pound ball is a bit much. I can't get the hook to work as much as I want to, and it's frustrating. I'm an out-of-shape athlete, and I don't have the time or the inclination just to get back into the shape of doing it, so when I go, I just get frustrated, and... That frustration causes me not to enjoy it. So I tend to not, I just kind of, I guess I'm retired from bowling. And that's really a shame. Um, I think that if I would have stuck with it, even to like a minor degree over at Continental Lanes, which was, that was like my home away from home. I, I would go there just to eat in the snack bar or go there to drink a beer at the bar and I would have continued doing that if the place had stayed open. And I think that eventually I'm going to become a decent bowler. And it's always good. It's good in life to be good at some kind of an activity. We should all have something that we can do well. Like throw darts, bowl, or golf, or horseshoes. Just something that shows over the course of your life that you stuck with something enough to get some skill. But alas, it was not meant to be. And my bowling career is at an end. So... With, with all that said, I guess, 
I guess that's the end of the episode. This boring life has has concluded. I have said all there is to say about the sport of King's Bowling. If you have a bowling alley near you, go do it. It's fun. It's good for you. Consider joining a bowling league if you're kind of a youngster listening to this. Because you'll make some friends. You'll have a good time. You'll drink some beers. You'll do some bowling. And the experience is worthwhile. It's always good to compete. Always fun. Maybe maybe I'll motivate myself to go go throw some rounds this weekend. I doubt it. But you never know. Anything can happen. So, I guess that's it. This is This Boring Life, episode number three. Bowling. Zerb, take it away. This boring life. I can't get with bowling. This boring life. Oh, this boring life. has been an IC Robots Radio production. IC Robots Radio is a listener-supported endeavor. If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week.